Good morning, St. Michael's. Will you stand? Lord, we are just so happy to be in your house this morning. We know that change is coming through you, Lord. We want to change our hearts, change our minds. We want to be more like you. Just create this fire in us to be here with you this morning, to worship in your presence.
and blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, The first commandment is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. I have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. 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 Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Seated, children. <laughs> there you are. I was looking for you. <laughs> ah, what a wonderful crowd. If you would, reach out your hands with me as we pray for these young warriors as they go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of these wonderful young people. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to watch over and keep them. Fill them with your strength, courage, wisdom. Lord God, I pray you bless them all their days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning. Our first lesson today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pishkah, which is the cross from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. 
all Nephthali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth and Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hand, his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, in all signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land. And by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So morning, Psalm, Psalm 1. We'll read responsibly at the asterisk. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like, like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the, the way, way of the ungodly shall perish. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning's second reading comes from the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before, and were spitefully treated at Philippi. As you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in so much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it deceit. But we have... 
been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time do we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had come become dear to us. This is the word of the Lord. and on our hearts as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, Lord, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to thee, O Christ. For you alone are worthy. 
Lord, we come before you this morning asking you to refresh us, refresh our hearts, refocus our eyes on the things of you, and that you would lead us from this place, Lord, that we might build your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I only have 19%, so it's not going to be a long sermon today. No. We're going to have a good time. God loves you. I don't know why, but I felt that I needed to say that one more time. God loves you. I don't, well, I said, I don't know why I'm saying it. Not, I don't know why he loves you, right? Okay. Um, let me be clear with my words. I understand now why everybody was laughing. Uh, so, I do think that it's important to remind ourselves of that. In fact, there's this spiritual practice that's as old as the church, where you sit around and you think about the fact that God loves you. And it feels weird at first. Because all I can think of when I try this practice is all the reasons why he shouldn't. Hence the reason for the practice. I encourage you, I know we tell you to do a lot of things here, but man, if love is not the center, then we've done it wrong. Not just our love for him and our love for our neighbors like we were talking about today, but his love for us. We love because we were first loved. And today we're going to talk about our psalm which is a message of God, from God, to us about how to live in the light of his love. Because real love has boundaries. Real love actually requires something of us. Real love is not free in the way that pamphlets are free on New York City. If you walk down a street in New York City, you might get 25 pamphlets. You're rich in free pamphlets. And we often think of love that way. Like God's just trying to shove it in our hands. Receive my love. No, in fact, His love is like a fire. And we are likened to gold that has to be melted down and pounded into the proper shape. The fire of God's love is transformative. And so when we read about this in this psalm, and it's talking about the blessed is the man, we're talking about how to be someone who lives in God's love. The blessedness here is more than we typically think of the word blessed. You know, I've made these jokes before, but on social media, you'll see the person. It's like, oh, they accidentally upgraded my Starbucks mochaccino. Blessed. You know, it's like, no, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something so much better, so much deeper, so much richer. If you need a large Starbucks to feel happy, I will pay for a large Starbucks. But that's not the point. The point of our Blessed is the man in this passage is actually to talk about the fullness of God's goodness. It represents something that's talked of of God as often as it's talked of of man. We say blessed be God. That's the same word. God is a blessedness beyond our comprehension. 
And yet, once again, a mystery. He wants you to be as blessed. He only uses his blessedness to pour out goodness on you and on the world. He is ordering all things that we might be with him blessed beyond measure. And so when I start saying this word and we talk about blessed is the man, we're talking about uh, something that means more than happy. We mean somebody who is in alignment with God in their life. Somebody who has a fullness. Somebody who can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil for God is with them. Now, let me just pick that apart for a second. We talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fearing no evil for God is with them. Did you know that any time you in this room walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you? Every time. Doesn't mean we are the type of people who are walking around saying, well, I fear no evil because God is with me. There's actually a transformation that has to happen within us to be the people who not only have God with them, but are also rid of fear. We actually have to be in alignment. We have to be transformed to be blessed the way that this passage talks about in order to experience the fullness of God's love. And so all of this is connected here. So when we say in the beginning of Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The reason why there are contextual elements to this, the reason why he's telling you how to be this way is because when you start, you're not. There's this message that goes around in our culture. You are enough. You are worthy. You are great. If you could just know how good you were, your whole life would unfold itself with lilies and rainbows and waterfalls. That is not the truth. You are not enough. But, and it's a big but, you are loved. You are chosen. You are saved by the power of God. And the real truth that the counterfeit is trying to blind us to is God is enough, right? God is worthy. And that God who is enough, who is worthy, he has chosen you. And so with God, we don't have to fear anything. With God, we can be blessed. So let's talk about this here. Uh, one more thing I will say here. Uh, in this psalm, there's this great, one of the ways that they, the title of this psalm, they say, you know, Psalm 1 is the comparison between the, the wicked and the blessed, the godly and the ungodly. All of that to say, we happen to have proved through science that you need both a carrot and a stick to get the best out of people. I'm going to tell you about a quick experiment that uh, one of these guys, Jordan Peterson, that I love to listen to, talks about all the time. Um, basically, they have these mice, and they put them in a maze, and they put cheese on the other end of the maze. And they time the mice, and they say, okay, how fast does the mice get to the cheese? And they go a certain amount of speed, and it's great. Then they did a, another experiment. They put the mouse in the same maze with the cheese at the end, and then they wafted the smell of cat behind the mouse. 
And don't you know, the mouse went faster because he was not only hungry, he was afraid of what was behind him. And in the same way, we see this structure in Scripture, the promises for the goodness, the blessings, and the warnings about what happens when you go against it. There's actual consequences to our actions. There's a reason for heaven and hell. It's worked into the nature of reality, that if you do the things that God calls you to, you will be blessed. And if you turn away from them, you will be cursed. And so all of that to say, in your life, it would be helpful to consider, at least it has helped me, not only where I'm heading, but where I'm avoiding. What am I running from? I know in our culture, there's many, many examples that you can point to to say, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a father of a broken family. How many families in our world are broken and we see the devastating effect on everyone involved. I don't want to do that. I want to have a full, rich family. I have this the rich in the, in the ways of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so when I have those twin pictures, it motivates me to do what I'm called to do. And holding those things in your mind is helpful. Because God's love is inviting us into a new reality, out of darkness and into light. And so when he makes this clear, it says, and we dive into here, we start with blessed is the man, and this is what the blessed man does not do. He walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now the classic, or the classic way to talk about this is, you imagine this guy, he's on the straight and narrow path. Let's just imagine for a second. He's walking along, but you know what? He starts listening to the counsel of the wicked. Then he gets off the path, and now he's on the way of sinners. He's standing in the way of sinners. And then through his sin, he's become the type of person who is sitting in his evil. He's sitting and scoffing at those who are passing by. This is a tragic situation. It's meant to show you a progression of how sin can work in our life. You can start with the way that the battle begins in our minds, right? And you can make it really simple, right? Imagine you had a four-year-old child sitting in a room, and there was a lollipop in the center of the table. And there's been many versions of this experiment done. And the father or the mother said, Johnny, don't take the lollipop, and then left the room. Where does the battle start for that four-year-old? In the mind. Where is the battle lost? In the mind. Because as soon as the decision is made, I'm going to take that lollipop, then you're acting out. You've stepped off the path. And so when we think about this, we need to remember that the weapons of our warfare are actually for the destruction of those arguments. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it says in 10, starting in verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Another translation says every vain imagination raised against the knowledge of God. And what do we do with that? We take every thought captive to obey Christ. So if you're wondering, how do I get this blessed nature? Well, it starts in the mind. 
Who are you listening to? As Father Powell told us last week, who told you that? Who told you that it would be better to have that lollipop against the wishes of your father and mother? Who told you that? Who told you that you needed to earn the love of God? Who told you that the person that you're encountering who's making you angry is not worthy of the love of God? Who told you all of the various lies that enter into our brain to convince us to go our way instead of his? It all starts up here. But we are called to take every thought captive to Christ. Let me just tell you this. It is a hard thing to do. I don't know about you, but when I'm in my own thought process and I have reasoned out and justified my behavior, the idea of then stopping and asking God what he thinks about it is not appealing. I've got it figured out. So I just encourage you. So what do we do with that then? I encourage you, if you have an inkling that maybe you're on autopilot, you're doing it your way, you're not asking him, slow down. Slow down. Take the time. Because not only does that give you the opportunity to ask God what he thinks, but God is waiting to empower you to overcome that battle. What's the worst that could happen? He saves you from the way of sin and death? Sounds okay to me. Why don't we do this? Because we are convinced that our way is better. That's the battle we have to fight in our mind every day. We've got to wake up and remind him and ourselves that his way is better. One way to do that is to wake up and spend some time thinking about how much God loves you. There's this great phrase, and it says, people will listen to you insofar as they believe you care about them. We often want people to just listen to our advice because we are geniuses, and everybody else should just follow our opinions. What God does is so much better. He loves us, and he pursues us, and he whispers to us, listen, I love you. Do it my way. He cares infinitely. So when you get that solidified in your mind, how much the love of God is for you, it's a heck of a lot easier to listen to him. Okay, we got to keep moving here. So that's walking in the counsel of the wicked. It's that little voice. It could be your own counsel. It could be your own argument that you've set up. I, if you guys are anything like me, I've got a judge, jury, and advocate in my mind who are making all of these decisions for me. I have set it up. I know what I want to do, and I have my reasons that I'm allowed to do it, and I've declared it good. We have to rewrite the voices in our brain if we don't want to walk in the counsel of the wicked. There's a lot of ways to address that, but keep that in mind. Then it moves to action. So now they've left the path of righteousness. That little four-year-old has taken that lollipop. He is not on the path anymore. And there's a problem with action. When you start acting out that sin, you take your steps off the path. It can be hard to find your way back. I went hiking once. It was a 10-day hike in the Adirondacks, a school program. And we had a Sherpa, a guide, who was going to lead us. But it was her first time leading a troop by herself. And we had like seven people with us. uh, And we started walking the first day. It was supposed to be like a four and a half, five-hour hike, something pretty mild. 
get to a base camp, show everybody how to set up camp. It was more teaching than it was supposed to be a long journey. Well, about six hours in, we're getting a little worried because we don't know where we are. And so she starts sharing, like, I don't know what happened. We must have taken the wrong path. Do you know, it took us an additional six hours after that to find the right path. We couldn't even find it that night. Because you know what? There was an infinite amount of ways to go wrong and only one way to go right. And so that night, we just had to call it. After 10 hours of walking around and it's pitch black, she's like, okay, we've got to stop. So we went and found a thing. You're not even supposed to set up your own campsite. You're supposed to do the designated places. And she's like, no, we just got to stop. We set it all up. We put up the bear bag. It was a really fun trip. But long story short is the next morning, a few hours in, we come to a junction and we find, oh, it's on the map. This is the way forward. So what happens when we start acting out sin? We lose track of where we are. At least that's been my experience. That's what it seems to say. It's like basically sin will blind you. Because if you start acting out sin following this wicked counsel, then you will start justifying yourself in your mind. It's our human nature does this. And we start talking about why that was the right decision. Well, guess what? If you've decided that was the right decision once and acted it out, the next time it's going to be harder to tell yourself it's the wrong decision. Because now you've got to take apart that whole structure that led you to do it the first time. And we entrench ourselves. And I'm talking about this maybe very logically. This is how my brain is organized. But this is spiritual. This is emotional. We have a thousand methods for justifying our misbehavior. And we don't want anybody telling us we're wrong. It's just natural. God wants to set you free from that. By the power of his blood, you do not have to be chained to those systems, those reinforcing systems of self-destruction. Because don't fool yourself. That's what sin is. It's drinking poison. It's destroying yourself. It's building on an unsure foundation. It's disaster waiting. All of this to say there's a better way. And God wants to lead you to that path. Okay, next, sitting in the seat of scoffers. Well, when you've decided that you're going to walk on the path of sinners, when you've left the path, you're in the path of sinners, you become cynical. One becomes cynical. Not you in particular, but you in particular too, right? Anybody who does this, you become cynical. You become jaded. There's this great study and you talk, you know, you think about somebody sitting and scoffing at people. Man, it just like drives me up a wall when people do that. I want to scoff right back. No, maybe not the best way. So think about it, right? Think about it. There's this study that they did talking about the causes of divorce or indicators of divorce. And it's this famous guy who studies couples and so on. The number one worst thing in a marriage as far as the highest indicator of divorce out of any trackable behavior that they could find, is when one partner responds to the other by rolling their eyes. Now, they have several other things in the same category that they call contempt. When you mock your partner, when you dismiss your partner, when you roll your eyes, what are you saying? You're communicating contempt. You're scoffing at them. There's something deep about love and connection that is built on trust. 
And nothing breaks trust faster than contempt. Because you have now relegated that person to less than. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Man, he always gets this way. I don't even want to live. Like that attitude. You could like it just it's so against love, which says, tell me more. I want to know you. I want to serve you. It's completely the opposite. And when we start sinning, we do that to God. We scoff at the idea of purity. This is okay. I'm going to use just this is a sidebar, but I'm going to jump into this pretty complex and difficult issue. So just let's go there for a second because I think it matters. And I think it's simpler than we make it. There are a lot of people out there who argue that in this culture, you cannot avoid sex before marriage. And I'm not using this about this particular topic because this is not the important point for you today, right? I do think that God has an opinion on this and It is more than an opinion. It is a moral law. But I think it's a great way to talk about what happens when we become scoffers, when we become contemptuous of what God has told us to do. We start doing the act because we've convinced ourselves it's a good thing to do. And once you've done that, then you get led to be jaded. And I've literally had this conversation with one of my friends where they basically said, like, it's impossible. Like, God's standards, that's like so, like, 1800s. And it just, the contempt that was rolling out of this person about the idea that God would call them into a life of purity and service and chastity, it was absurd. They were sitting in the seat of scoffers. And I use this kind of lightning topic because it's everywhere right now. People are struggling with this all over the place, in the church, out of the church. And I love those people. And I want them to know that God has a better way. But that happens with so many things. Man, oh, those people, they, they won't even drink alcohol. And we scoff at the idea that they're trying to hold themselves to a higher standard. I'm not saying you can't drink alcohol, but I am saying you can't scoff at people who are trying to love God and their neighbor by avoiding it. And we could just go down the list. This is the path that the devil wants you to walk. He wants you to justify your actions. Listen to the counsel of the wicked. Get that mindset correct for him, right? Then he wants you to do them. And that will lead to further justification. And the pathway leads to a point where you can't even see what is right and wrong anymore. And you scoff at somebody who tries to show you or tries to live it out. It's really, I I mean, you could even do, you could document psychological studies that can show this pathway. It's about making sure that you think of yourself as a good person. In order to think of yourself as a good person, you've got to justify your actions. You've got to make sure that anybody who lives differently with you, from you is dismissed. You treat with contempt. All of this to say, thank you for going on this more uh, tangential point. All of this to say, blessed is the man who doesn't even leave the path, who doesn't even listen to the counsel of the wicked, who submits every thought to God, to Christ. There's a better way. We should take our sin seriously because it matters, because it's destructive, because there's nobody in your life that's benefiting from it. And we matter. God chose us to love and to bring life to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. Like everyone in our life deserves 
us to manifest Christ to them. There's a plan in place for us to grow the glory of the Lord till it covers the earth. Don't get off the path. Don't listen to those voices. Now let's go to the good side because I, I feel heavy right now. And so let's go to the good side because all of this is to remind you that there's a better way. So let's look at this better way, right? Uh, verse 2, believe it or not. <laughs> but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. On his law he meditates day and night. We had a great collect this morning that talked about loving what God commands. What is this about? When you give every thought to Christ, when you invite him into your life and follow his way, he will delight you. We sometimes think of God as like the prep school master, right? And like the goody two-shoes is like, that's the good Christian. And he like just does, you know, and it looks boring and awful. Does all the work, doesn't have any of the fun. That is not God. That is not what he's inviting you into. He's inviting you into a place where you can enjoy a fantastic glass of wine beyond anything that you did when you were abusing alcohol for your own gain. He's inviting you to a place where you can enjoy your wife beyond anything that you enjoyed when you were abusing your sexual desire and need that he gave you. He's inviting you to a place where you can love those around you and enjoy community beyond anything you could have done when you were using people to get what you wanted. Right? There's, it's all these substitutes that the enemy is offering us. My delight should be in the law of the Lord, in the goodness of God, and in the way that I live towards others. And the law of the Lord is not a list of rules. It is a lifestyle. That's like a common thing, right? It's not this. It's a lifestyle. No, this is the lifestyle. The only style that leads to life. The only life that can be stylish is this. Right? I see the people around me who are doing it. I want to be like them. Right? I want to be like Father Conkle and Casey who've been together for countless decades. (laughs) And love each other and just are full of joy every time you encounter them. But that took a heck of a lot of not walking in the counsel of the wicked and finding their delight in the law of the Lord. Okay, it's a weird formula, but basically when you listen to lies and you do lies and you do sin, you become scoffers who love sin. Now let's just flip that around. When you listen to the truth and you do things that are born of truth and goodness and love, You love the truth and goodness and love. It's only good. Really, really, it is only good. It hurts, but it's good. You take up your cross and you get crucified over and over and over again sometimes so that you can live in the resurrection. Okay. Let's move on. Three. I have to mention this first because it's like a theme verse this fall. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. God really wants us to be trees, if you haven't gotten the message. But not just trees who, you know, whittle and wither away. He wants us to be trees who are firmly rooted, grounded in the word, in the spirit, flourishing, 
And if you didn't like anything I said so far, and all that he does shall prosper, should be peaking your, peaking your interest. I want to be that guy. I want my family to be that family. And I will say, this is a long game we're playing. You don't become a tree overnight. You will be like a tree. You're not yet like a tree. I mean, there are some trees in this building. Let me say that, right? I was calling out Father Victor and Casey. They have done some work to become planted and flourish. And they've seen the goodness of God. But I'm calling out to you today to say, go through the fire of God's love, that transforming fire. Let him burn away everything that's not of him and become the tree that does not wither. When the storms come, you'll be standing there. When the drought comes, the famine, we know about drought in California. We see how the foliage reacts when it's drought in California. And we see how it is when the rain comes. We will just have a constant supply of water forever, eternally, when you plug into God, when you delight in his law. That doesn't mean you won't go through your own crucifixion, your own desert, your own difficulties. It means that you won't die when you do. It means that he will sustain you and he will give you goodness and newness of life. And guess what? If you do die, there is resurrection. That's good. It's all good. Okay, I do want to hear about the wicked because I like this verse. In in verse 4 it says, The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. And everybody who's been here for a while thinks of Father Powell's example, right? It is the example. He talks about, you know, when they're in the barn and he uses all this descriptive language. You throw the wheat in the air and the chaff just gets blown away. As our resident farmer, he loves that. And I love it too. Because what does it say about the wicked? They're insubstantial. We look around and we're like, the wicked are ruling the earth. And God goes, they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. The only people of substance are the blessed people, God's people, Jesus. These are of substance. How long will the wicked prosper, we say? And God says they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. When you throw that weed up in the air, it's heavy. It has substance. It's real. It falls to the ground again. But the wicked, the chaff, it just flies away in the wind, never to be seen again. How many people in history have decided to be wicked and nobody knows their name? But everyone who has followed God, their name is written in the book of life eternally. And when we get to heaven, we get to celebrate them. Praise God. Augustine put it beautifully. The blessed man is stable in a flood of temporality. The blessed man is stable in a flood of temporality. The chaos, the swirls of time do not shake the blessed man. Okay, let's read these ending here. Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. I'm going to pause there for a second, because I know some of us in here in the congregation of the righteous are thinking, but I am a sinner. This is the great... um, Already not yet promise of the Bible. Every sin that you have committed, will commit, think of committing, is covered by the blood of Christ. You today are not a sinner. You are a saint. Called, chosen, purified, glorified. All of that 
is true of you. And yet, he's still doing that in your life from now till eternity. Because you are hidden in Christ. You are washed in his blood. So no, you are not a sinner in the congregation of the righteous. You are the congregation of the righteous today. He's just inviting you to be more of that. To walk out that path and to see the goodness of God. It's all invitation, no condemnation. If anybody here feels a burden, like, oh man, I suck. I'm terrible. That is not God. God's word for you is you are good. Now come live that way. Right? It's an invitation. It's not condemnation. And we're ending with this verse here because it's the end of the psalm. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What does it mean the Lord knows the way of the righteous? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only are, not only is there a path to walk, but God's made the way for you. He's looking for us to cooperate with what he's doing. We're not trailblazers. He set it up. He knows our way. But the way of the wicked will perish. It's the, it's the, it's the dichotomy I set up with the mouse. The scent of the cat behind you. The way of the wicked will perish. I don't want to walk on the perishing way. I want to last for eternity. And so I'm following Jesus. And I'm hoping that I can serve my family and love them well and lead them so that they, in turn, serve the Lord. Because that is the way that God knows. And that is the way to life everlasting. That's the way to be blessed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters.
The Lord is our fortress and our strength. Therefore, let us bring our needs and the needs of the whole world before the God who sustains us. That the patriarch and all church leaders will have the wisdom, favor, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That nations will show compassion for strangers and refugees from other countries where they have been persecuted for their faith or ravaged by war. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That we will not be ashamed of the gospel, but boldly live it out in our daily lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That our ears will be open to the cries of the poor, the widow, the lonely, and the unwanted child. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That married couples who are experiencing difficulty in their relationship will be reconciled to one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That there will be racial reconciliation in our land and revival in our inner, inner cities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That we will love and serve one another as Jesus loved and served us. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you demonstrated your love toward us by sending forth your Son, Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer and give us grace to live out his commandment to love one another. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Lord. Lord, peace. Lord be with you and with your spirit. I want to I want to just make note we have a very busy week coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of events this week. I just want to call them out. You need to check your calendar and decide where you're going to be and when. Tuesday is trunk or treat here. Yeah. I love it. See the kids. Wednesday is fire night. Always amazing. You want to be there. Um, there is a walk for life, a local walk for life on Saturday. Um, and on Sunday is, uh, our annual missions offering. So we're going to want to talk about that. That is our, our missions for the CEC. And we want you to hear what the Lord is saying and what you need to bring for that. I want to, uh, I want to call it just a couple of things in particular next Sunday You'll want to change your clock back an hour. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be early. And that will be great. <laughs> Living in the future. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is men's retreat. If you haven't signed up and you're, and you're a man, <laughs> you want to. So let us know. Let Eric know if you're going to be at the men's retreat. It's going to be a great retreat this year. And keep uh, Bishop and Karen in your prayers as they travel. They've gone back to Tucson to see Karen's mom. She's, uh, she's 96 and doing well, mm-hmm. so they're going back, and that's mm-hmm. why they're there. So uh, always, uh, always 
covet your prayers whenever anybody in leadership is traveling, so keep them in your prayers. Amen. Yeah, we have a uh, slight difference with our fire night uh, this Wednesday. We just are inviting people as a act of memorial to bring forth uh, in honor of, you know, it's All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day, and then uh, All Souls Day is the following day. And so this particular fire night, we wanted to honor those who have gone before us. And so if you feel led or want to, you're invited to bring a framed photo of somebody who is you want to be remembered. And we will have a time during that service where we honor them that have gone before. So just an invitation if you want to participate that way. It's going to be a really powerful night. It always is when we show up and worship the Lord. Amen. All right, let's pray for our offering. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord.
your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful life. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Holy Spirit upon them, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup again. He gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ Christ is died. Christ Christ is risen. 
and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our bishop, Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Patrick, the House family, Bob, Mary, Mike, Sean, the Burnett family, Tyler, Terry, Ed, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can pray for the you can pray for the people you're praying for now. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you have made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy to choose an enter under my roof, but only to say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. He have protection against the wickedness and snares the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world seeking the ruin of souls. <laughs> As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel, that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself and not counting your sins against you. God loves you. God has forgiven you. God is not mad at you, and God will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Amen. So I'll build my life home.